Hello and thanks for joining us on Search for Truth, your 15-minute Bible teaching program with me, John Martin, and our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. In Brian's present series of study talks, we're following the journeys of the Ark and learning valuable lessons about our Lord Jesus. The Ark tells us about him in so many ways, different ways, and the theme of Brian's talk today shows us that we face defeat in our Christian lives if Christ is not present with us in our daily walk. It's very important for us to experience and value the presence of Christ day by day as we live out our disciple pathway. Let's enjoy our Irish trio singing to us, or with us if you know the hymn, Fear thou not, for he is with thee, be thou not dismayed, look to him, he'll guide and shield thee, do not be afraid. When temptations round you gather, and your strength seems small, look above to God your helper, find in him your all. After the hymn, Brian will be joining us with today's study. First moves are usually important. Ask anyone who plays chess, or listen to anyone who follows the fortunes of Formula One. Those first moves between the grid and the first corner often determine the race pattern. So first moves can be very significant. In Numbers chapter 10, we read about the first move of the Ark of the Covenant away from Mount Sinai. Remember, it was at Mount Sinai that it had come into existence. It had been built there, according to God's design, by a man by the name of Bezalel. In this series of talks, it's as though we are travelling with the Ark, that's the Ark of God, or the Ark of the Covenant, back there in the days of Moses. What we want to try to do is to draw contemporary lessons from principles long ago for our learning. So at last, we're getting underway. That's getting underway on this long 500-year journey with the ark from Mount Sinai to Mount Zion and its resting place there in Solomon's temple. We've made mention that from the information given to us in the Bible book of Numbers, we discover that generally, as a rule, the ark went in the middle of the people of Israel as they went from one camp to another through the desert. In that way, We've seen already how Christ, whom the ark represents, ought to have a central place in our pilgrim lives today. But first moves, as we've said, are indeed significant. And the first move of the ark, after nearly a year at Sinai, was quite exceptional because it didn't go forward in the centre of the Israelites, as it usually did, but went on ahead of them. We are entitled to ask ourselves the reason for this departure from what was the norm. Perhaps the reason was connected with Moses' request to Hobab when he asked him if he'd lead them on their journey. 
Moses was asking Hobab to be their guide because of his great experience of the desert. It's immediately after that that we read about the ark going out in front instead of in the middle. It was surely a lesson to Moses concerning his lack of faith. Not Hobab, but God would lead the way and Moses must trust him. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, chapter 2 and verse 6, tells us that we are to walk in faith today. Just as we receive the Lord by faith, it says, so we are to walk by faith in him. Then there's the principle found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9 and verse 29, as the Lord speaks with the blind beggars and says, According to your faith, be it done to you. If you're like me, then your response to such words as these will be, Lord, increase our faith. God is the God of the increase, and he'll surely increase our faith if we seek that great blessing from him. We long, day to day, to know and to be able to trust fully his leading in our lives, just as emphatically as when the ark most unusually went on ahead and the people followed it. Four chapters later in the book of Numbers, a book largely taken up with the failures of God's Old Testament people in the desert, four chapters later we say we come to the point when after sending the spies in to spy out the promised land of Canaan, the people showed a distinct lack of faith by rebelling at the good testimony of Joshua and Caleb. They refused to go in and possess the land that God was promising would be theirs. They'd been swayed by the bad report of the other ten spies, a report about the giants and all the dangers of the land. But, as if this wasn't bad enough, once they heard of God's displeasure at their lack of faith and rebellion, they immediately presumed to go up into the land in spite of orders to the contrary. But the Bible makes the point very clearly that the ark of God remained in the camp. In other words, in contrast to earlier, when the Lord had been leading his people by going ahead of them, as demonstrated by the ark taking the lead, now the Lord was most certainly not with the company of people who belatedly attempted to reverse their earlier rebellion. And then, as always, absence spells defeat. Without him, the Lord assures us in John chapter 15 and verse 5 that we can do nothing. If only Israel had realised that true safety lies in experiencing the presence of the Lord, not merely in knowing the absence of danger. To steer clear of the giants wasn't the safe course of action in the days of Moses, because the Lord wasn't with them. On the other hand, there was no danger for the disciples in Jesus' time when they were with him in the middle of the storm on the Lake of Galilee. At least there was safety in the danger because the Lord was present with them in the situation. Let's say it again. Safety isn't the absence of danger. It is the presence of the Lord. Or as the hymn writer has said, He has promised to be with thee. Hold thee by thy hand. Why not then go forth with courage at thy Lord's command? He has promised to be with thee. Oh. 
like the biblically-based words of that hymn, God's promise to be with us in trouble. Good reason then for us not to be afraid. I'll never forget an Irish Christian woman quoting that to me when living with her young family in the middle of the Troubles. As we looked out through the window, soldiers were carrying out exercises outside, within a short distance of the house. It was then she said to me, Safety is not the absence of danger, it's the presence of the Lord. Perhaps you too today need to hear that in your circumstances. It's certainly one clear lesson that we can draw from Israel's experience with the ark in Numbers 14. Its absence spelt danger and defeat for them then. Moses, of course, was someone who knew how absolutely essential the practice of the Lord's presence was. His communion with the Lord immediately after the incident with the golden calves ran something like this. The Lord tells Moses, I will not go up in your midst. Moses replies, You say that I enjoy your favours. If that's so, teach us your way, so that you'll not leave us. There's no point to us proceeding to Canaan without you. Then he gets to the heart of it when he says, If your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. For what will be the difference between us and the other nations then? How will anyone know that we enjoy your favours? Then God answers his servant and says, I'll do this thing you ask. In other words, I will go up in their midst after all. It always staggers me to think of how God was prepared to forego his desire and postpone his plan to dwell among his people. Because of their serious failure, In turning aside in the matter of worshipping the golden calves, God had intended to remain outside their camp, holding private communion with Moses at a distant tent of meeting. But Moses, true leader that he was, again interceded with God. He boldly asked if the privilege that was his could be extended to all the people. What about us? Romans chapter 5 and verse 2 tells us that Jesus has procured for us a permanent, though unmerited, audience with God his Father. Do we value that? Do we ensure we have a daily meeting with God, a time when we practice his presence? There's another striking thing we find in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. There we're told of the time when, as a boy, Jesus stayed behind at Jerusalem. His parents travelled for a whole day towards home, supposing him to be in the company. That's the bit that I find striking. It's where it says of them, supposing him, supposing Jesus, to be in the company. Then after going for a whole day's journey, it finally dawned on them that he really wasn't somewhere in the crowd of pilgrims, and they had to go back, looking for him. What I want to say to us is this. Let's not even travel through one day of life's journey without having asked the Lord to go with us. Let's be sure to take the supposition out of our travelling each day by making sure we consciously practice his presence. In doing this, we'll be positively like Moses and not like the people who presume to go forward without the Lord's presence among them. One reason it's so important to know the Lord with us 
is a reason we've seen illustrated today with the Ark of the Covenant. And it's just this, that his absence spells defeat for us. Thank you for listening with us today. I hope you enjoyed the programme, particularly the lesson in the study. It makes it much more rewarding, you know, for us when we get feedback from our listeners. So if you've any questions or suggestions how we can make these studies more helpful, do tell us, please. I remind you once more how you can obtain the transcript book of these 12 studies. Just write in and ask for the title the journey of the ark. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So I hope you enjoyed today's talk. And you'll join me again next time for another study in the journey of the ark. But till next time then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Oh,